You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Level Flight Podcast. I'm Brian, joined by Elliot and Connor today. We said we didn't want to record before the weekend was up. Uh, we are, because the Jets have been eliminated from the playoffs in five games. Uh, yeah, we uh, we didn't want to be here doing this, but here we are. <laughs> uh, what are you guys feeling uh, going into the, the the first you know week without Jets hockey since you know October? I feel lost, you know, no Jets hockey. What else am I supposed to do? But the Moose, the Moose are still gone. Uh, we can get into that game later because they didn't look that much better than the Jets did. But no, uh, oh, the Jets yeah. went out with a bang. They uh, it was a lifeless effort in game five. There Yikes. was comments made. Yeah. It was it was kind of a mess. But Elliot, what are your thoughts? I mean, it is what it is at this point. Like <laughs> Jets don't give up in game five. And then it seemed to translate into the Moose game on Friday. So I'm not sure how that works. But maybe it had to do with Salmon and then home bringing those vibes from the Jets down to the yeah, Moose. Maybe. I'm not sure, but I could be wrong. I mean, Arvid Holm did give in a pretty bad goal. So that would be on par with what the Jets would do. But it, it is what it is at this point. Um, and yeah. Jet season over. Hopefully, you see some changes this offseason, which we will talk about. Um, but also, hopefully, that can change for game two for the Moose and maybe they get a win. Maybe. Yeah. And well, we're going to get to the Moose because, well, Connor and I were in attendance. Um, but we're going to start here with talking a little bit about the effort that we saw in a game that would have kept their season alive we saw one of the worst efforts we've seen from this Jets team in a long while. Um, I, I mean, t- to start here, I honestly don't recall a point where I was just like watching and I could literally I, name on one hand players that I'm like, oh, they actually look like they're trying. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them were just lost. When, and I can't remember who tweeted it, but when Blake Wheeler's the, you know, the guy like setting the pace on your line, maybe you should speed up a little. Yeah. And that's not a knock on Wheeler because honestly, he's been one of the better guys throughout this this first round, uh, which once again says a lot. But it, yeah, uh, it was it was rough. Who stood out to you guys in terms of who actually put in the effort, and who stood out to you in the way that you see, and you're like, that was an abysmal effort. They should be called out for it. Uh, well, Elliot, I'll I, start with you. Go with Elliot. Yeah. Oh, well, one comment I do want to take from today from the. Uh availability that's been going on right now is Kyle Connor basically did say um, that he didn't think effort was the reason why they lost in game five. So I just want to put that out there, um, which is a little head scratching because I mean, you, I, you would kind of expect him to say that considering he only tries on one end of the ice half the time, or I'm not sure if he doesn't know what he's doing, but I won't question about it. The season's over. Um, So, I mean, there were points where guys looked like they were trying, um, obviously Brian already mentioned it. I'll probably just throw a Blake Wheeler because it's probably the easiest one to say. Um, I'm not really sure there's anybody else you can really, everybody made a mistake in that game. Like I even want to say Dylan Sandberg cause I thought he had a decent game, but there were a couple of times where he rung the puck around the boards behind the net and it was ended up being a turnover. Right. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint anybody that was good guys that were bad. I mean, you could literally just say the entire team. That first goal was terrible. Like, I, I hate, I hate, like, it happened within, what, the first less than two minutes into the game, and it's a puck flung around the boards from Brendan Dillon, 
Kyle Connor, once again, doesn't get to the puck quick enough. Then nobody's covering the slot because Dylan's on the on the wall. And then I believe it was Neil Pionk had the it was it was a one on two with uh, Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson and Neil Pionk in the middle. You're of course not going to win that. And you know what? I guess the other person you could say that actually seemed like they were trying uh, was Kyle, uh, was Connor Hellebuck. Um, he made some pretty good saves in that game. I, but it's kind of hard to say because you look at the first goal and he like as soon as the puck went to Stevenson, he didn't even go. He didn't even try to go post to post. He he kind of yeah. he stood he he stood up and went yeah they've scored I'm not even gonna try to get over like he wasn't even down in butterfly at that point so it's it was just an abysmal abysmal game from as soon as that goal went in I went yep we're done season's over as, as negative as that is at the, as soon as they scored the Jets were deflated they really had no energy to start the game and as soon as the game got going and Vegas scored. It was that was it. They had no fight, no nothing. It was it was over as soon as the horn sounded to start the game, which is terrible in the elimination game. That's something I expect earlier in the year, or if we're at the end of the season, this team isn't making the playoffs and they've had locker room issues, which I know they do, but this team made the playoffs. You would think they did all I asked for if they were gonna get eliminated in game five was for them to at least compete and make it close. And they couldn't even do that. Well, I guess they tried to do that in the last 10 minutes of the third period because they scored once and had another one disallowed. But other than that, you can't – like, I don't even count the last 10 minutes as them fighting. Like, it, it, the game was over as soon as it started, which is terrible to say, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about all year how when the Jets give up a goal early, they just kind of get down on themselves. Like, visibly, you can tell that they, they did that. They kind of turned that around to end the season, but – that was basically the epitome of that all season was game five where Vegas scores in the first five minutes. And yeah, like you said, it's just over Uh, one player that I want to highlight as having a good game was Adam Lowry. He, along with Blake Wheeler, I'd say has been one of the highlights this series. He is constantly showing the effort. He has four goals. I mean, like he's chipping in on the score sheet. That's unheard of, Uh, but he's, he's actually, playing at both ends of the ice, hitting guys. He's he's skating up and down the ice. You can see that the effort is there. One player that the effort is not there is Pierre-Luc Dubois. I tweeted out during the game that if you watch him close enough, you know the shift that got him kicked out of Columbus? The shift, oh my God, the shift. He put in no effort. Oh my God, oh my God. He hates Tortorella. If you watch closely in game five, the shift happened like five or six times. And at one point it happened like three times in a row in the second period. He was just coasting. The puck would come to him. It would be immediately off his stick. He would coast again, coast up and down the ice, and then off the ice. And it's like, well, that was what the shift was. The shift, he lost a puck battle. He coasted, went off the ice, nothing happened. And everyone was like, whoa. I I thought that was overblown in the first place, that thing that got him traded from Columbus. But if you really want to call that terrible, that happened like five or six times a game. Um, that line, Connor, Dubois, Nino Niederreiter had a really rough game. I wouldn't say any three of them had a good game. We, we talk about how Nino is usually the guy that shows effort and was hitting guys. He wasn't in game five. Um, but I'd say Adam Lowry, along with Blake Wheeler, uh, some of the leaders on this team were the only ones that really stood out in a good way for me. Everyone else, especially Pierre-Luc Dubois, not great. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about Dubois, but you messaged us before we even uh, yes. had started recording saying dibs on Dubois. But yeah, <laughs> I... Uh, Screw that. Uh, I mean, I, I really think that in terms of what we saw effort-wise, I mean, you're going to get the... You know you're getting the effort from that third line with, you know, Barron and Lowry and, and Appleton. Like, you know you're going to get it. So, like, you, you automatically zone in on them. But then, yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's frustrating what I'm going to say here because we saw flashes of him being, you know, responsible in his own zone. But uh, Pionk, we, he had that one game where he was like, you know what, I'm going to step up. I'm going to play 41 minutes. Morrissey's down. It's up to me. Uh, and then he was back to being his chaotic self. And I know that, uh, he was he like offensively he picked it up and he was doing his regular thing defensively though I still don't know I don't know how much offense he has to contribute to actually counteract how bad he is defensively like early on having like I think he they may have been on the ice for multiple of these but just losing <laughs> Vegas forwards behind him uh like you you actually have to pay attention. And it, it's, it just seems like there was just a lack of focus there. Maybe it's trying to figure out offensively what to do next, just because if that's just where his game's going. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's really frustrating. And I want to circle back a little bit to what you said, Connor, about Dubois, where at some point or another, it's, it's, it's got to be starting to look at as like a trend when things get tough. Suddenly he's just like, no, nah, we're done. Is this, this is the second team he's quit on now? Because like, we all know he's going to Montreal. We all know he's 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 going to Mon- like or anywhere else. We're just prolonging wants- the inevitable, really. Like it's yeah, yeah. The effort level drop off from him, like you in game one, absolute force. Yeah. As soon Holy. as the team started losing, though, it was like he could not be bothered. Nope. And it's really frustrating to see because we know what he can do when he's giving his all. Um, but no, it's just like he vanished for the next, you know, while, like we really didn't see much from him for the rest of the series. And then game five was no exception. Whole line was just, I almost unwatchable. Um, that, that top line in game one was dominant. Like all three of them that they carried. I, I wrote a takeaways piece on game one and I included that the top line stepped up with Ehlers out because Kyle Connor looked good. He had a goal in that game. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois was a force. He was doing his normal thing where he lowers his shoulder and drives to the net hard and then wins a puck battle in the corner and sets up Kyle Connor for a one time where he was making things happen. And then if to ask for that in game five would have been a stretch, like there's no way that would have happened in game five. So I, yeah, it's definitely a trend. Like you said um, that when the team is down three, one or the team is losing or Columbus, when you're a bad team, it starts to uh, starts to check out because that that's happened a few times now. He doesn't want to fight adversity. That's what it is. And well, have fun playing in Montreal where they're not going to be competing for a while. And he may not have a scoring talent on his wing, depending on what happens there. So, I mean, it's just going to be him and Caulfield and then no one else. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. They may not even have Caulfield, right? There's been talks that he doesn't want to resign or they can't get a deal done. Oh, that'd be... I'm I'm here. Maybe that... Dubois and Nick Suzuki and have at her. I'm I'm hearing sources telling me that Cole Caulfield wants to come to Winnipeg. 
One for no, one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was say, yeah. yeah. Who's your source? Yourself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my source is my NHL 23 franchise mode that I ran last night. Yeah. Um, Where the trade value isn't even accurate. No, not Cole, at all. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois probably is worth more than Cole Caulfield. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No, but I, I, I think now... Uh, excuse me. Um, I think now we have to discuss a little bit about not our assessment of the players, but the guy behind the bench uh, yeah. didn't hold back. And we've got a bunch of stuff now to carry over with that because all the player comments are coming out and uh, there's some, there's some bangers. Um, but uh, Rick bonus comes out uh, immediately. First of all, he even doesn't even sit down before he goes, this is going to be quick. Yeah. Uh and then he said, all right, go ahead. And then I think it was Jeff Hamilton who hit him with yeah. a few really great questions in which he responded essentially by saying uh, his opinion of the game was that he was disgusted and disappointed and then rattled off like four consecutive times, like unprompted, essentially, that uh, the Jets' best players were significantly worse than Vegas's best players. And uh, like, essentially, he just kept repeating that. Um before we get into some of the fallout from that, because we're starting to see some players who were not pleased with the way he approached that. Um, I'd like to know uh, your thoughts on how blunt he was with it. I agreed with the assessment uh, because what we had seen, but there's a few other, I, there's, I think it goes deeper than that. Um, Connor, I'll start with you though. I actually, you know, going to start off with a plug here. Article released this morning, breaking down bonuses, comments after that game. Go check it out. Um, now that that's out of the way, uh, I I don't know how far I can go in terms of commenting on like what Wheeler and uh, those guys are saying today in terms of uh, he should have come to us first kind of thing. But to to circle back to bonus, um, I think he said the word pushback like twelve times. <laughs> like the Jets had no pushback. They had no pushback, right? Um, the the thing that stood out to me, the comment that stood out to me is he said that this this quote this crap started in january and february um and then jeff hamilton goes it seems as though you've been holding these feelings in for a while and he goes yep ever since january and february <laughs> he doesn't even like he doesn't even go like no this is just like today he was clearly angry and frustrated but the thing that stood out to me is jeff going oh have you been feeling this way since january and him going yep yep i i 100 have and it's like whoa okay um so this was this was I, I wrote a piece on it, like breaking down how where it probably started and why he th like this pent up anger all came out after uh, after the season is over. That that makes that's a good time to do it. But the fact that he he like retirement for Rick bonus is now being thrown around because he's an old guy. And if he feels if he truly feels this way about the Jets. He could just say, screw it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And he could walk out, right? That was a thing that was yeah. like thrown around um, after he made those comments. Because if he gets this worked up um, and has to do this much work to get these players to show effort, and they still don't, there's still no pushback, like he said, um, for months now, since January and February, then there's really no reason for him to come back and and but well, that's a whole nother topic but that 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 yeah. one since january and february that's what i wanted to highlight because that stood out to me but i don't know what you saw elliot 
I mean, I think it's indicative that – so you'll go – you talk about bonuses, comments, and then I will touch on what certain players are saying today. I don't – I'm not even going to name go. them. If you're following on social media, you'll see all the names. It just puzzles me that a lot of guys are saying, like, the big one being Blake Wheeler about, oh, I don't really like how he said that this way and blah, blah. Well, you're making money. So I think that if he – you're both making money. You're both professionals. Like, I, I think you can take some harsh criticism sometimes. Like, I, I don't think this group can take harsh criticism. Like, it has to be nice and calm and keep it quiet and keep it within the room and think and speak. Like, everybody in this organization that's been here for a long time, like a Blake Wheeler or an Adam Lowry, or I'm not going to say Shifley yet because we haven't heard him speak yet. But a lot of the guys that have been here for a while, and especially the management group, like when things are calm and they like when things stay inside inside closed doors. They don't like when outside people, like people who have only been here for a while, like Bonus has only been here for a year, where they do different things and they say things to the media and they make a big deal out of stuff. Like these guys have egos and they don't like when their ego gets touched. So in this case, Blake Wheeler didn't like that Bonus came at them and said this and that and he they, he could have come to them and said it okay from what we've been told from what we've heard from what he's been said to, saying to the media he's been saying that to you guys all season maybe not that bluntly but he's been trying to be nice about it and say hey we got to pick this up and you guys haven't responded to it so this was his response to what your response was and so my entire thing is there's two there's two possible issues with this situation either one either bonus is telling the media one thing and something else is different is going on in the dressing room and the message is completely different than what's being said to us to the public and to the media or two these players just can't get it through their head i'm thinking the latter i'm thinking there's a communication issue between the coach and the players and maybe the message is still the same but maybe it's being said differently inside the locker room than to the media. But even at that point, then you'd think by at this point, we've played 82 games plus five by game 87 of the season. You'd think that guys would understand what he's been saying. Cause he's been saying it since middle of January, like since game, let's say 47, 48, like there's mm-hmm. been 30 something games of this and nothing has changed. It seems any, well, we thought it changed and it did just seemed like it didn't. It just it seemed like things were going our way. But that, that that's basically what I have to say about this entire situation. Yeah, like, I think there's something to be said where, obviously, yeah, you want the coach to directly just go at the team to make sure that they know what they're doing wrong. Uh, and then they're not being like, well, I wish we would have heard it from there. But like... From a player standpoint, you got to pick up on the fact that when you, you're losing and you're doing stuff horribly and you're hearing the coach talk to the media and be like, yeah, we're not doing things right. You don't have the right to be confused if you're just losing a bunch of games, if you're so convinced that your group is good enough. Like, you should figure that out yourself and then fi- try and understand why the coach is getting upset at you at the end of the season when you've lost. Like, this shouldn't be some big, like, shock that, you know, the head coach is upset at you for putting out a garbage effort. Like, that's not, that shouldn't come as some big, you know, like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Well, read the room. (laughs) All right. Like, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be like an actual, like, 
problem for you to like, I, Elliot, I think nailed it. Communication. It doesn't seem to be there. Um, and then like, even today, like hey, I'm, you need three majors to uh, come and help them out with how to communicate. Three comm majors. This is yeah, what right we're here, here for. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Come yeah, on. <laughs> the thing though, and I I'm seeing this now too, where, uh obviously you're not expecting like shifley was the exception last year where we actually got something a little bit like newsworthy out of him you're not expecting guys to come out and be like yeah i i I hated how things you know how things were everything sucks but we're getting a lot of very like deflecting and kind of shrugging things off very early like to be honest with you a lot of these guys just don't seem to like like jazzed up to talk about how they want to keep winning. <laughs> like, well, they I, do. They mentioned saying, Oh, we want, I want to be here. I only want to play for a team that's competing for a Stanley cup and yada, yada, yada. But that's simple sports. That's just player that's, speak. That's, that's just a- like, athlete what, speak. Yeah. Um, like why like, is bonus? The only one though, coming out and being like, this team needs to be better. This team is like a lot of it's just like deflecting and talking about the things they did well. And like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing for players to, you know, look internally and be like, you know, we weren't good enough. Like, I think, you know, Kyle Connor did come out and say that he thinks he should have been better in game five. I would argue that should stretch back into several games, but I'm not going to not going to press, you know, Connor yeah, anymore, you're, but you're, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take what I can get. But no, like there's questions about like the like the direction of the team that are being asked to, of the players in terms of just like what they want to do. And a lot of it's just like, what do you think of this? And then they just deflect to management who's like, oh, you'll have to ask this person. I think ultimately, though, there is some sort of deep-seated issue in this team that was not removed when the coaching change happened. That we're seeing again where the room just seems so just broken all the time. Where there's just questions and you know dysfunction and uh communication issues like the whole thing where it's like some players seem like you know that's just bonus being emotional and he wants to win and i respect it and others being like uh talk to us before you do anything the fact that they're coming out and uh and saying this after their coach was like no they needed to win and they lost the playoff game that could have kept their season alive I just there's something that just doesn't add up to me and it's just it's something that needs to change and and we've had this but I don't know if it will because we've had the same issue for several years now where there's been questions about the dynamic of the team and I don't know where it starts I don't know if it's you know you know from the top I don't know if it's from you know the player level from the coaching uh I, I like the truly there's no way to properly direct where the the issue's coming from or if it's just a full organizational thing and I just I have so many questions that don't have answers and we probably won't find out answers until down the line, but yeah, I don't know. That that's a question for someone who's making money within the organization to answer. Yeah. Someone who's has the power to trade players and has the power to shake up the room and has the power to change the coach. Right. Those are, those are well beyond our, our pay grade. Um, yeah. And, and that, that those, those will be answered this offseason because if they run it back, then clearly they think there's nothing wrong with this with this team, with this room, with this culture, whatever. Um, if they blow it up, then maybe there was something wrong. Well, th- th- this is going to be a big summer, um, and I'm looking forward to it just because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about on the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I mean, that's a good segue though. Cause like initially we were going to end off with a light off season preview, but uh, we why do don't we now. kick into that yeah. now? Because you're right. This is going to be a defining off season uh, where if there is a general mood of run it back, it's a failure. It is like, I'm sorry. You've had the same group now for how many years? If you keep running it back with minimal changes, what's it's something, something definition of insanity. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Yeah. I said, it, I've said it enough. I've, I've it's, it's the, the whole thing is like, if there is such a point of which you don't think that, you know, you can succeed, which what, what have they shown to say that they're a team that can go further than the first round of the playoffs because they, ha- they, they won the one series in the bubble or I guess not in the bubble, but in the COVID year um, and then got swept out by Montreal. But since, you know, 2018, they haven't won a series since they beat Nashville in seven. Yeah. Like, how can you look at that team and say, you know, let's just keep running the same team back with minimal changes for six seasons. Same core, same group, same everything. Same issues. I also tweeted out uh, the game five Vegas game felt a heck of a lot like the game six against St. Louis where their season ended road game, elimination game team doesn't show up. Like there's the effort is just not there plain and simple. And then in the last five minutes, they turn, they flip a switch and Oh, it's a desperation push. They, they pull the goalie and they score a few goals. Um, one was disallowed in the Vegas game, but in the St. Louis game, they scored two goals late and made it three, two instead of three, nothing. You know, it makes it look a little bit better, but it's the exact same. It was the exact same game. If you went back and watched game six, they got heavily outshot. They were down three, nothing. We, we may have just lost Connor. Connor's internet have, might have just said, see you later. Which is interesting because I, th- oh, there he is. Hello? Oh, there he is. Hello? I can still hear you guys. Okay. Oh, We're keeping okay. that in. That's funny. Where um where did I cut out? Um That's a great question. Game talk- game six of St. Louis and Right. Okay. I was saying the Jets had no pushback in that game. Oh, um, pushback. Are you Rick Bonus? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um no, Paul Maurice was the head coach at that time. And speaking of Paul Maurice, game seven against the best team in NHL history coming up. Did so- not did not think that would happen. Um yeah, well, but that I don't know if that's anything with Maurice, but I mean, hey, according to Maurice, I'm, it's all Matthew Kachuk. But I mean, hey, they're they're heavy underdogs. So to get to even a game seven, like that won't be a deflated exit interview if they lose if they lose game seven. <laughs> Don't like they'll they be won't... deflated from they'll be Paul fine. Maurice because he'll think they should have won the cup. But Paul Maurice is a player's coach, man. Yeah, Paul Maurice with specific rant, players. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, we don't have. He to wouldn't go... just quit in the middle of a season because he was so fed up with a locker room. <laughs> He would never. No, we don't have to talk about. Paul we're losing Reeves. the I don't know. here. Yeah, yeah we're, we're. Anyways, we'll go back to the off season. Uh, obviously, they have so many key guys up. Dubois. We already talked about how he's basically going to Montreal. Shifley's up next year. Hellbuck's up next year. Wheeler's up next year. This is the main core of this team. And uh, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, it, right now, it's it's late April. We're still a ways away from the draft and them actually making any moves, but. Elliot, what do you think? Like, do you think they blow it up or do you think they run it back? If you had to make a prediction right now, my hope is they blow it up. Um, I really hope they do because you also have to think. I was looking at cap friendly, I'm looking at contracts, guys like Morgan Barron, 
Dylan Sandberg, um, younger guys that are on RFA, like are on minor league contracts now have deals due. Like, I'm sorry, if I'm Morgan Barron, I know he didn't have a great season, but I'd still ask for two and a half, three million. Mm, I don't think he has the leverage. I don't know if he does. He doesn't put up points. And he was a fourth liner when the team was I think he still asks. And if I'm the Jets, I'd at least consider. Uh, That'll settle at like one or 1.5 for like a year. Just he'll he'll try and great, have a breakout year and then, and which then I hope he does. Him. Yeah. But anyway, there are a bunch of other guys that have to get signed. If they want to bring back Nemeslikov, yeah. he's got to get signed. Um, you know, you, you have to look at this entire roster as a whole. You've got other guys coming up that you probably want to give chances to. Um, I'm hoping the biggest change that comes this year is yes, there's other big dogs that need to get traded. Like obviously Dubois is probably gone. Obviously, I would like to see Shifley and Wheeler get traded. Um, but I think the thing that the Jets, I think, really need to do is if they're going to keep the forward core, I think they need to make a shakeup with the defensive core. I think a couple guys need to get traded and moved. And either A, you give opportunities. They, they keep saying we're building a farm system to, and trying to give other guys opportunities. Okay, well, you've got two defensemen on the moose right now who had outstanding seasons. One was an all-star. The other one broke a record in your organization <laughs> or multiple records, I guess you could say. And that's without mentioning Vili Hanala. Yeah. Those, those I, I, I didn't even were... mention Vili. I, yeah. <laughs> I actually wasn't talking about Vili. I'm talking about Declan yeah. Chisholm and Leon Gavanka. Exactly. Like yeah. you could literally take out three. Pl- you could You could take out three defensemen and throw in three young guys and see how that rolls next year. If you yeah. really wanted to, I know they won't do that because they don't believe in Billy and they don't, re- they don't seem to like playing prospects until they're like in their mid twenties already, unless they're bona fide stars. But realistically, if I, if it, as an armchair GM, if I were, if I were a part of the Jets organization, I had the power. I personally would probably blow it up. I hope they do blow it up. I, as much as people say that I don't think this team could go through a rebuild, you also have to remember when the team first came back, they weren't competing for anything and they still sold tickets, right? So I know that means attendance numbers probably go down. And if your management and your ownership, you probably have to throw a little bit more money into the team than you'd probably like. You're probably not making the same profit margins because this organization seems to be so hell bent on money. Um, but they got that playoff revenue. They got it. Uh, hey, they hey, got some playoff they revenue. It's what they wanted. So they got, they got the two games. There it is. So and almost the got the part, third. Yeah, almost and, got the third. Very and, close. And 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 the, and the street parties were apparently just so good. Um, so I I really do hope that they blow it up. Do I think they will? I don't think they're gonna blow it up to the de- to the degree that I would like them to. I think guys like Wheeler and Shifley stay, but I think guys like Schmidt. I think someone like maybe Brendan Dillon. Um, maybe you could probably maybe say some probably Nino stays because he says he wants to play here. But I'm thinking guys who haven't been here for a long time are probably mm-hmm. in the minds of management. That is my thought. So I think guys that have been acquired via trade that they don't have, quote unquote, an attachment to probably go. But guys like Shifley and Wheeler and even I was mentioning to the boys before the show started that Kyle Connor is probably the easiest guy to move because of his perceived market value and his contract has no clauses in it. You could basically trade him wherever you wanted to and get whatever you wanted because 
he can't decide where he goes. Um, guys like that will most likely stay because they have an attachment to those players and because they don't want to get because they like them so much, they don't want to get rid of them. But I think there I think there'll be I'm hoping there is some sort of movement, but I don't think it's the level that I think the entire fan base would hope to give other guys opportunities. I think we've hit that point. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I think it would be wise to strip things down and try and get a high pick for the next couple of years. Uh, but in turn, I think you you nailed it, though, with uh, the money is so big for the organization when being a small market where getting, you know, a message put out late in the season about how they need season ticket members and everything. Uh, I truly don't think that they would be willing at all to risk having attendance dips because they're a bad team for a, a while if they're rebuilding. I truly, I just, I, I think it's tinkering. Uh, I think it's, you know, you lose the, if you lose some big guys, then they try and sign some other guys to fill some of the holes. But I, I honestly think that until they possibly can't, they will keep running it back because they know they have those players guaranteed. I think that's it. So you're looking for at least one more year, I would think, of them being the same group. Uh, and then you see guys just leave in free agency. Or at the deadline if they're not in the playoff spot. I yeah. think at that point they would probably. Yeah, and the reason the reason we're talking about this summer, uh, this is a common question, because Shifley, Wheeler, and Hellebuck aren't up until next summer, right? So why are we talking about this summer? If you wait for the trade deadline, their value goes down because at that point people are paying for a rental. If you trade for Mark Shifley, there's no guarantee he wants to play with you. Right. But if you trade him this summer, his value's higher because you're getting Mark Shifley for 82 games instead of 25 down the stretch or whatever. Um, so that's why this summer is important and not like the trade deadline or next summer because like Dubois, that, that has to happen this summer because his contract is actually up. He's still in like before the draft. Yeah, his his rights can get moved. He's Jets still have team control. He's still in RFA, but all these UFAs. Um, I think I think the Jets tinker, like you said, Brian. I think there's there's moves here and there, uh, but I don't think it's a full on. Like I don't think they trade Connor Hellebuck, and I don't think it's a full rebuild unless you trade Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I, I would hate to see them trade Connor Hellebuck because he's one of the most fun players to watch in the league. He's a top three goalie in the league. I've always been a fan of his, but I don't think it happens. And unless you like Hellebuck with Hellebuck, you're never going to be bad enough where you're getting a top three pick at this stage in his career. Yeah, he's good enough where unless you unless you're icing like the Manitoba Moose up front with him in net, you're still probably going to be middle of the pack mediocre just because he'll still he'll steal you eight wins in the regular season ish and uh so so that's what it, where it comes down to me because if if they don't move hellebuck i don't think they're fully rebuilding but if they do i think they are and i and i don't think they will yeah well you mentioned the moose and we're going to get into what we saw in game one here but before we do that we're going to hear a quick message from our sponsor uh uh, DraftKings and uh, a returning sponsor, Raycon, uh, coming uh -huh. back for me here. So uh, uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Let's face it, with coffee starting at $5 and our bank account somehow always depleting, we are entering a dupe session. 
Most products do the same thing but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So, a good duplicate, or dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Maybe you're on a budget and are looking for quality audio without having to sacrifice some well-earned money. Well, look no further than Raycon. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of those other big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now pay later options. Right now you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. One of the best features of Raycons are how they have custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, which is perfect for the eight hours of playtime you can get from the everyday earbuds. And if you wear them for eight hours, they have to be comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for other details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, thanks again to DraftKings and Raycon for sponsoring this week's episode. Uh, let's get into game one between the Moose and the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, not the start that they wanted in the series, losing 6-2 in a game where... The, it it felt like it was over in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they gave up the kids. So they had to start Evan Cormier in this game because Arvid Holman, Oscarie Salmon, and as we know, were up with the Jets until Thursday. They reassigned them Friday. So Arvid Holman was on a plane Friday. And then he saw himself in the game 10 minutes later, down 3 nothing, Um, because Evan Cormier gave up three goals in the first seven shots. Now, not all three goals were on him. I'd say the first two were pretty unsavable. Nice deflection and then a nice one timer. Um, but he gets pulled. Arvid Holm goes in, and then Arvid Holm gives up the next three goals on the next nine shots. So the Moose give up six goals on the first 14 shots, and that was kind of the story of the game. I don't know how I saw it played out, play out, but Mark Morrison after the game said the scoring chances in the first and second period were 2 2 and then 4 4 in each period, so 6 6 were the scoring chances going into the third period and the moose were down six, two and then ended up losing the game six, two. So, um, I think they played fine, especially in the third period. They outshot them. I think 18 to six, the moose did. So 
there could be a rust factor and they turned it on as the game went on. Um, but I think either Arvid Holmer or Scary Salmon and starting Sunday with a full day of rest or a full day like off, not playing a game, not flying anywhere. And actually getting a warm up in probably. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll be huge. And I think you'll see a closer result, if not the Moose winning, uh, because they can't afford to go to Milwaukee down to nothing. But I don't know how you guys saw this one play out. Yeah, I mean, I think the the story of the first two periods was goaltending. And then when the Moose finally seemed to hit a different gear, uh, it was a lot of what we see with the Jets where it's poor shot selection and then not being able to finish the chances that they should be finishing. There was like seven or eight, you know, chances where like uh, Yaroslav Askarov for uh, um, for Milwaukee was just totally, you know, down and out. He's laying, he's got, he's got his own players all over him. Can't bury it on the open net. It's blocked. Uh, you've got a bunch of, you know, guys that are just uh, passing up shots and overpassing the puck. And then suddenly the, it gets blocked, shot out. Like, they're, they had a five on three uh, that they really didn't get much going. Uh, and the thing that bothers me too, and it's very similar to what uh, the issue I have with the jets is on the five on three, the goal should be to get closer to the net because you have that advantage of player personnel. They were running a umbrella up near the blue line still. Uh, and they just couldn't seem to get anything going. Like, I just don't understand why you're, you know, not trying to get a little bit closer into better position to get guys out of, you know, out of their lanes. But no, like it was frustrating because, uh, I mean, obviously you're going to get deflated when you go down three, nothing in the first, you know, nine minutes of the game. Uh, but no, it just felt like they weren't, you know, they didn't have the luxury of being overly selective with their shots. And I know they outshot them, but it felt like a lot of the ones that they ended up getting in were, uh, a little bit easier for, you know, uh, Askarov, or they were pucks that should have gone in, but they were shooting right into him when he was on the ground, sprawled out when it should have, you know, just raised the puck. Yeah, Askarov's a very loud goaltender. And I don't know if you caught this a few times, Brian, but when the Moose would rim, rim the puck into the zone and uh, there would be a player forechecking going to get that puck, Askarov would fully step in the way and almost like take a hit like he would like invite yeah. contact which is why the ref never called the penalty on it because if you hit the goalie i mean that's a penalty right but he was the one inviting the contact so the puck is on the boards he's playing the puck like a regular goalie does and then there was one time daniel torgerson was coming to get the puck and he almost like reverse hit him yeah. uh, like it's something i'd never seen from a goalie before he's he's so aggressive when he plays the puck and he like hits he like invites contact he wants to get hit is is weird but yeah, he's a very loud goaltender for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the basis of the game was going down early and not being able to recover. Also, because whenever they, they got one back, it was 3-1 at one point. Mm. And then Holm just let in some some soft ones. And yeah, then it was when you when you allow six goals, you're asking too much to get back into it. Yeah. Um, the only chance they really would have had is if they scored two goals on that five on three. Um, yeah. But no, didn't happen. Um, really, think, that was the story of the game. Yeah, I also think the Moose are like a, they're like the Carolina Hurricanes of the AHL. They're kind of like a coursey juggernaut. Like they just throw everything at the net. Um, and that didn't 
like when I think the Moose are playing bad is when they're getting out shot um, and the scoring chances are even kind of thing. But the Moose, this is, was just like a regular game. I think it just came down to goaltending because you saw in the second and third periods that they outshot the Admirals, like the, the Corsi, the shot attempts, they were just throwing pucks at the net and that's how the Moose like to play. Um, so if they can carry that into game two, I think they'll be fine with better goaltending. But I didn't really hate, even though they lost 6-2 and that's concerning, I didn't hate the way the team played because um, that's what the Moose do. They just throw pucks to the net. They look for rebounds. They crash the net. Um, they play like the Carolina Hurricanes if anyone's been watching playoff hockey. The Hurricanes just end up with 45 shots a game because they just, every time they enter the zone, they go to the point and then they just shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the yeah. puck. So, that, that's how the moose like to play. They like to shoot. They like to get to the crease. And that didn't really waver in game yeah. one. Well, they're back at it. Well, I guess we'll this will be released Monday morning. Uh so uh they play Sunday. Yeah, so they play tomorrow. So depending on when I end up editing this video, maybe I'll include a little thing above uh one of us what the score was uh in that game and whether we should be, you know, happy or genuinely concerned as the moose would head to M Milwaukee down to nothing. Uh, There's also a Winnipeg ice game yeah. in about four and a half hours. I think uh, like, obviously this isn't going to be released till Monday, but um, the Winnipeg ice won big last night. They're looking to go up 2-0 on the Saskatoon blades, I believe. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, there's a lot of hockey still going on in Winnipeg, even though the jets are out. Um, there's a lot of stuff. And we're also moving into the off season where, there's different sports happening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The Gold Eyes, uh, the Sea Bears, the Bombers. Where's There's the J Willie Jefferson. Willie <laughs> Jefferson jersey behind me. There's a lot of sports in Winnipeg. There's a lot of things to be excited about. I know we're a Jets podcast, but we might want to branch out over the summer and talk about the Sea Bears or the Gold Eyes or the Bombers. And Elliot, yeah, you go ahead. You got yeah, some. I was speaking <laughs> of the yeah. Sea Bears. Um, so this has been the project. I have been um, wanting to do for a long time. I've been waiting for a basketball team to come to the city. Um, obviously, the CBL, since it's, its inception, if you've been following the league at all, Winnipeg has been an expansion franchise since after the first year. Um, and so they finally have a team. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm announcing that I'm not affiliated with anybody. So if anybody would like to hire me up to write, that'd be great. But this is there just on my own. I will be starting a website. It'll be called Heart of the Continent Hoops. It'll just be all things Sea Bears. I'll be posting game recaps, my thoughts on rosters and stuff, player performances, that sort of thing. So that'll be all all Winnipeg, Manitoba-based uh, basketball stuff. I may even delve into some U-sports stuff coming next season. Um, but just for the summer, as of, I'll probably post something the week of May 27th, which is their home opener. If you haven't bought tickets, I know I don't work for them, but go support the team. <laughs> um it'll be it's good basketball it's not it's it not what you think it is these are guys that play either in the g league the developmental league for the nba they play overseas in the euro league and other prominent uh leagues in europe and some of these guys are the top players in canada in college from all over the country so it, it's not bad basketball it should be fun the league the league is fast-paced lots of scoring it's bait it's for the fans this isn't college basketball where it's going to be low scoring. You're going to see some high scoring games with lots of offense. So should be good. But yeah, you can follow me on my social if you want to, I think it's yeah, right there. 
underneath <laughs> at Elliot Rusin H1. I'll be, po- I'm going to be probably going to or watching or I'm for sure watching every single game. So I'll be posting updates and stuff. My thoughts, I'll be posting game updates, that sort of thing. So follow me on there and keep up with the team. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to plug your stuff, Elliot, yeah. because you you spend a lot of time plugging Brian and I's writing. So I'm excited over the summer to say, hey, check out Elliot's piece. It was great. Um, but no, I, I'm excited for the Sea Bears. Like you said, it's good basketball. Every time I tell people that, they're like, they seem kind of like shocked. They're like, really? Like, oh, like it's actually yeah. good basketball. Like, no, it is. Like, it, it's if you go league. watch CBL highlights, like it's it's fun to watch. Um and, and then yeah yeah gold if, eyes bombers yeah, yeah. if you're unaware of how the league ending works also it's called the elam ending um it ends on a target score in the fourth quarter so you play three quarters and then you're playing to a target score so that actually leads to a lot of comebacks because yeah. teams aren't just running out the clock you actually have to still score to get to a end goal so there there was in the i believe it was in the championship game last year one of the games um during the playoffs there was actually uh there one of the I forget who was in the final. I think it was the Honey Badgers and was it the Scarborough team? I can't remember. They were it was like a 15 point game and they the, the Scarborough team or whoever else was in the finals actually cut it down to like three. And then I think the Honey Badgers ended up winning, which creates some awesome moments. Yeah. Which keeps teams in the game until that target score is hit. So no, it's like how we, they like to say in the CFL, no lead is safe. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. There's lots yeah. of good, lots of good sports in the summer in Winnipeg. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be a different probably layout of the pod coming up in the next few weeks. We're probably going to do more league coverage, talking about other stuff going around because there's no more Jets to talk about. Obviously, we're going to probably lead with you know Moose coverage, depending on how long they're you know going to be you know battling it out here. Hopefully, they even the series before they head down to Milwaukee. Um, but no, we're. Uh, Things will be shifting a little bit going into the off season, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, maybe we'll run a mailbag soon. Uh, get some oh, yeah. of the the thoughts. Uh, I know idea. I. Uh, um, there's definitely going to be a lot of questions. I think so. We'll uh, we'll we'll figure that out when we get there. But no, uh, we're w- looking forward to sort of the the change of pace coming up here to sort of give us a different bit of a, you know, different look, maybe, you know, different lengths of podcast, different formats, everything. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, from all of us here from Connor and Elliot, uh, thanks for listening to episode 27. Wow. wow. Uh, we're coming up on 30. Um, good season, fellas. Good season. Good, good yeah. Season. We're about to switch over to the season two thing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, uh, thanks again for listening, everyone. And go Jets. Go Bombers. Oh, go Moose and or Sea Bears. Let's go Goldeye. <laughs> there you go. There we go. All right. See you, folks. See ya. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.